Welcome to Series 2, Episode 17. On the show today, I talk to Louise Lapish, the Dream Career Consultant. We discuss career coaching, diversity and inclusion, and all things Simon on the Streets. Louise talks about being on a board, the De Bono Six Thinking Hats, tips for interviews, prejudice in the workplace, and how different is good. Enjoy. Thanks for being a fab listener, and of course, please do subscribe and tell your friends. Welcome to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. I'm Johnny Ross, founder and digital marketing strategist of Fleet Marketing. Each podcast, I'll be bringing you an expert to inspire you, to give you some great business growth takeaways, and to get you thinking about marketing and the bigger picture of how businesses can improve, adapt, and grow. I look forward to sharing this with you on each podcast. So here we go. hope you're well uh thanks for joining us whether you're joining us watching us or listening uh right now we're live on facebook we're live on linkedin we're live on youtube and if you're listening to us you are listening on a podcast uh it's great for you to be here um louise lapish is with us today how are you louise i'm really good thanks johnny i've already been out for the dog walk been to starbucks life is almost normal <laughs> almost <laughs> other, other coffee houses are available <laughs> uh, so louise uh, you um your title is the, the dream career consultant uh, and you're also director of uh, gatewood consulting as well uh, you offer um uh, uh, business mentoring uh, so there's there's a, a number of different things and you're also chair of the board of trustees at simon on the streets what yeah. was the well, where did the the dream career consultant where's the the where's the dream bit come from so um, I've been massively passionate about people having their dream job um, for years and years and years. Um, I started as a recruitment consultant sort of after university um, and realised I hated it, but I really loved it when people got their job. So that was like the best bit. So being able to ring somebody and say, they loved you, this is the interview feedback, here's the job offer was my favourite bit. Then I found career management. Now, career management in the UK has never been as popular as it is in like the states or in other countries I didn't even know it existed it was like career advice for adults I just thought career advice was don't know if you ever did those um tests at school where you had to kind of tick boxes to say what you liked and disliked and it gave oh, you a yeah. print out of what do you, did you what was on yours I can't, I can't remember I, I can't remember but you've reminded me of that session I can even picture the room I was in I, I can't remember what it told me I should be though uh, well, mine told me I should be a librarian. So at some point I must have um, ticked that I liked books, which is true. I mean, but you know me and as a massive extrovert, I can't imagine anybody worse being in a library and the thought of having to organise the books in onto alpha, you know, into our, the Dewey Decimal system was just never going to be my thing. Detail's not my thing. Um, and I remember looking at that and thinking, well, okay, the two options it gave me was librarian or English teacher. Um, and I was like, right, okay. So I did an English degree and I was like, I still don't like books and reading that much. In fact, I, I liked it less and less the more I had to read each week, which is why I ended up not doing an awful lot of my lectures. Um, and I became um, part of the RAG committee 
um, which was, you know, stands for raising and giving, but it was all about charity fundraising. So um, was part of the team that brought Sheffield the biggest all ticketed party in the world and all that kind of stuff. So got massively involved in stuff that was nothing to do with my course. Um, but then realized that actually some of that stuff was the bits that I enjoyed. So rather than thinking about being an English teacher, I wanted to think about other things. Now, nobody at any point ever said to me, well, adults need training too. Because um, had they said that, maybe I would have gone a slightly different route. But I genuinely believe that the training came to me at a time after I'd led teams and after I'd had some P&L responsibility and, and kind of really understood what the world was like. I think if I'd have gone straight into training, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had maybe the credibility or the stories to share you know I'm a big storyteller um and 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 actually whenever I'm I'm training I, I share the stories that the times that things have gone horribly wrong or horribly right and and I think that kind of adds value to it really so going back to the, the dream career consultant um that was that was some social media person who told me that I needed to kind of have a title um rather than <laughs> just being um being sort of another career coach but uh, you know I differentiate between that coach and consultant quite quite purposely because um for, for me if you knew how to get a job if you knew how to write a CV if you knew what you were doing wrong in interviews you would change it so I could sit with you for three hours saying okay so why did that interview not go so well what might you have done differently and you sit there going I don't know Whereas, you know, going through, um, I was going through a mock interview with somebody earlier this week um, and and they, they you know, they were saying to me, oh, did, did I smile in that, Louise? And I was like, no, not at all. You kind of went, uh, yes, the, the reason that I've applied for the job. And, and like people default to Sergeant Serious. So unless somebody tells them that, they're never going to know because the interviewer doesn't give feedback anymore because it's so hard to give proper feedback. Um but, you know, you, you can't sort of say to somebody, yeah, you know, you need to smile a bit more in, in your interview. They'll be like, great feedback. But it's it's one of the things that I, I talk a lot about, smiling. Well, it goes a long way. And, and uh, you know, the Americans have been telling telling retailers to do that for years. Uh, you know, it's, it's so important. I remember working uh, at Vision Express when I was doing my pre-reg job optometry uh, years and uh, you know they had a rule five feet five seconds you had to greet and smile within five feet or five seconds of a of yeah. someone walking in so uh, uh, smiling goes a, a long way we're going to focus this uh, session on there's there's a number of different elements of your bit of your business um, and we're going to focus this this session on the um, training and the uh, training and development side, learning and development side for teams. Uh, so so uh, in the past, you've done a lot of help to motivate teams, how to change manage teams. You're now focusing very much on uh, diversity uh, and inclusion within teams. But before I get to that, uh, you talked about books and, and, and you like, uh, you know, you told you should be a librarian. You, you've published a book, The Seven Steps yeah. to Career Consciousness, uh, and that's all to do with the other side of your business, which is the career coach. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you're now taking that seven steps. You've just told me that you've become CPD Training Centre accredited. Is that right? Yeah. So, well, in the, in the process of becoming a CPD centre. So one of the things that was really, really important to me is – um, when people have done training is having something to, to show for it and you can go on a training course and not get a certificate 
and and great. But when I'm actively encouraging people and I'm a big believer in doing stuff myself, so I'm always doing training courses and learning new stuff, is having something to show for it. Um, and one of the one of the um the reasons that I picked the CPD is because I, I sit on a, a board with, um, as you know, for Simon on the Streets, but there's two solicitors there and somebody works in finance and they all still have to do CPD accreditation. Um, and I, I was just thinking, but we could make it fun. We could we could make stuff that's about having positive communications, which is the bit that underpins everything I do, is about learning how to talk to people um, and, and make some of that training fun rather than people going, oh, I have to do my CPD points. I've got to do this many this year. Um, so that was kind of what attracted me to doing that. But the launch of the um, coaching um, program that that I'm doing for, for people to become an accredited seven steps coach um, is, is very much for me, it was important that they came out with an accreditation because they are going to work hard when they go through the program. Um, because it's so important that if you're giving somebody career support or career consultancy, as I, I like to say, rather than coaching, um, that you're doing it from a good place and you're using the right tools. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm a big passionate um, believer that if you've got the right tools, you can help people properly. If you're sitting there and you've never career coached somebody before, there might be things that you don't think about. Um, and obviously at the minute, lots of people are thinking about changing careers. Um, and I, one of the stories that's in, in my book um, is taking somebody who was a project manager in insurance and getting him to work for the Forest Trust. Same project manager, same toolkit, but it was how he told his story. So that program and all of the other programs that I do around really how you tell your story and how you start to have those conversations. The the coaching uh, that you're going to be doing is it's typically for coaches that are already coaching but not doing career coaching necessarily is that right yeah, and, yeah. And to try or, and, and... or something or sometimes um i think we need to have career coaches in business some some of the bigger organizations have them but it's nothing to stop somebody who's in hr getting some some kind of career coaching or managers i think you know when we talk about about talent development which you know massively links into my passion for diversity and inclusion stuff um but if that person doesn't know how to shape that person's career, then how are they going to support them as a manager? You know, they might be able to look at, at holistically at an organization and go, you'd be absolutely brilliant over there, but you're not so good here. And actually fostering that talent and helping that person become the best employee they can be is massively important. And you can use the same tools and techniques and helping people make that leap from maybe you know being a manager to thinking well actually I could be a senior manager and ultimately that jump to the board um you know because I get a lot of people saying to me oh well you know I could never sit on a board I'm like why you know it's not it's not that big a deal um you know so I'm passionate about that getting people to to recognize they can be whatever they want to be but I've also had people go off and um you know one became a priest. Um, well, you know, I've had somebody set up a blanket stall. There's been such a variety of things that people have gone, actually, this was my dream and I never did it. Which is why I said I, I was a bit flippant um, about something that's going to appear in my novel because the one thing I always wanted to be as a kid and that they never captured was a writer. Um, so, you know, I've published um, The Seven Steps to Career Consciousness. The business consciousness is kind of, 
in the back of my head and I will do that one at some point but then I've got the novel which is um which is in progress so that that I should have done that during lockdown I should have um you absolutely should have and, and watched this space. Um, it's interesting you say about how people uh, feel that they can't sit on a board. They've got the knowledge that they, they could give the advice. Is it, you know, and they're, and they're, they're so confident in their day-to-day job. Is it, a, is it just a confidence thing? What is it? I think sometimes it's what people think that's about. You know, so I think people really get this. They're like, oh, it's a board meeting. It's going to be. And, and it's like most of the time, you know, we're, we're just talking around normal stuff. It's not, you know, it's nothing earth shattering. It's nothing that's top secret. It's stuff that we should be talking about and sharing um, and, and and making people understand that it's just a part of the process. And, and, and I'm a massive believer. I'm working with a client at the minute on their diversity and inclusion program. Um, and we've set up an inclusivity board, which is going to be employees who feed up to the managers and, and directors to talk about what they think the organisation should be doing. Now, in my world, I'd almost change that and I'd have the board of directors accountable to that inclusivity board to say, look, this is what we're doing. So, again, it's sometimes just about looking at that power ratio and really making sure that a board of directors is doing what it should do. And lots of them aren't. I'm sure you've been in in many a meeting in your career where they're just not doing what they should be doing. Yeah, and and ultimately these are just people. They're, they're yeah. you know they're just normal people like you and me in a room. Uh, and uh, and and I get that completely. Um, the uh, you brought it to back to diversity and inclusion. I wanted to go into that. So so part of your um, uh, offering is going into organisations and really helping i guess leaders and teams perform better and 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 make things better and one of the things that you're very passionate about right now is the diversity and inclusion and whilst things like black lives matter uh and and other things like that are are very important and you're passionate about them what you're also saying is this is also diversity in in just your thinking yeah yeah absolutely we've heard we've heard people talk for years about left and right brained um people and um I, i i know Um, I'm kind of an extrovert and I'm usually glass half full. You know, we can do this. It's exciting. And I absolutely know I need somebody who's diametrically opposed to me to rein me back in and to say, let's just stop and have a think about these things, Louise, and, and let's do this. So I'm great at starting things. I'm not so great at finishing things. Um, and recognizing that and understanding yourself then really makes it easy to to start to think okay so if we were working on a project how do we make this project work for the people who are are involved and that's everyone that's your customers that's your employees that's your teams you know the uh, and stakeholders it's everybody needs to kind of feel part of that now I um I know I mentioned um to you when we were chatting before about um the iPhone you know and nobody on that team was left-handed so the functionality didn't work for left-handed people and it's these things that are such simple things that we we never we never kind of consider them until it's something that happens to us. And I never knew until um, somebody who was a wheelchair user told me that they always put disabled um, facilities towards a wall. And they're like, that only works if you get out of your wheelchair on a particular side. If you use the other side of the wheelchair, you can't use it. And I was like, well, of course you can't. Why would you not put it in the middle? That makes perfect sense. But I didn't know 
So I would probably never have asked because I do that politeness thing. Whereas actually what I encourage people to do and the reason that I talk about diversity and inclusion is to have honest conversations. Um, and that might be, you know, actually, Johnny, this might not be the right fit of job for you um, because you've got these skills, these skills and these skills. Maybe attention to details, not it. So maybe you'd be better off in this department. Honest conversation. But actually, there's a plan and there's a reason behind it. So it could be as much about that as it can be about building um, diversity on boards. But we are years behind where we should be in terms of having diversity on boards. And that is never about tokenism. It's about taking the right people from when you employ them and building their careers right the way through. So, you know, we need to recognise that diversity and, and true inclusion um, and intersectionality is a massive part of what we all need to be doing. Well, it, it, you were mentioning earlier to me uh, that, if anything, you feel that during lockdown we've become more prejudiced uh, yeah. and gone backwards. Is that is, is that what you're seeing in organisations as well? Well, a lot of it, um, it, it was really interesting. So um, the stats around gender equality were always women are massively behind because they're seen as the carers. They're seen as the people who look after people. And actually, when you look at who was homeschooling, um, I can't tell you how many times I saw on LinkedIn somebody posting, I'm so proud of my wife. Not only is she working from home, but she's also schooling our three kids. I saw that a lot. And actually, it was like, well, you're both parents. Why are you not both? Why are you not both schooling? Um, and actually, for women now to go back into a workplace and decrease that gap that they've already had because they've been off on maternity leave is more difficult. It's going to be more difficult. The only kind of saving grace I think we've got coming out of this is that we've all embraced flexible working. Now, we've got so few people with a disability in the workplace. Flexible working opens all of that up. Um, you know, we've got um, more flexible working in terms of um, women, um, you know, who are coming sort of off maternity leave or the main, you know, care of children might get more opportunities based on that. But we all have to consciously do it. Um, and we all have to kind of commit to that because we've already said that it's going to put women back um, and it's going to um, potentially you know we're, we're storing up for a mental health crisis and that's going to be across the board um you know because that's something that we, we want people to talk about we want to actively encourage but then people have got to be open and honest in that employment stage and and bring on the right people and actually be committed to um you know to, to helping that person and supporting them and um I got asked to do a piece of work next year and they were like, oh, the board wants to be seen to be doing the right things. And my question is, are they actually committed to doing the right things? Because you can tick a box, but unless you embed it and unless you do it on a day-to-day -day basis where I might just change the time of a meeting to not be nine o'clock, it might be 10 o'clock because actually I know a few people do the school run. So why not do it at 10 and then people have got the chance to get in and check their email and people are constantly rushing or, you know, if we've got people who are flexibly working, don't put all of the training on a Wednesday because they might not work that day and they miss out on opportunities. So it's little things that aren't necessarily um, the big things that we think about, but they're massively, massively important to people that want to have that sense of belonging. And if you've got a team that feel like they belong there, then you haven't got that attrition and you're not starting again and, and building from scratch. 
But uh, for people that are watching with us live, by the way, uh, feel free to ask questions. Uh, Louise, I'm sure, would welcome them. Um, with you're talking about what 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 concerns me though. So it's little small things that you could do. But as you say, it's not about just a token gesture to put the right put someone on a board. No. How do you how do you? That's not a little and small thing, is it? So how do you do? How do you break barriers there? So you give people opportunities. So um, one of the things that I want to bring to the board next year that we want to do at Simon, um, I want to give an opportunity to somebody under 30 to either do some shadowing or, you know, a, a university student to come and shadow the board and see what we do, which, of course, is a lot better in a in a face to face environment than is doing it all virtually at the minute. Um, but actually give somebody an opportunity. Because that way, they, they've had exposure, they understand what it's like, and they're more likely to go, oh, okay, that's interesting. And actually, there's very few people under 30 on boards. We've got very few minorities on boards. Um, and they're things that, that we can really look at, but we have to create space for that. And that might be a learning opportunity for a student or a graduate or just somebody else to, to kind of get involved. So if you are a director on a board, why not go and mentor someone, you know, someone or offer to pass on some of your expertise that's something that will have a massive impact on somebody later on I'd love for us to get to the point where you know we sponsor students so they're not coming out with student debt you know why not be a, a business that sponsors a place at a university and, and maybe make that um a, you know a, a diversity and inclusion thing and champion that but also make sure your recruitment policy is is right so the um, the pharmaceutical society did some interesting tweets over lockdown around how they swapped the job specs that they'd written um, and gave it to a male or a female, and they were like, "Oh yeah, no, that rule that would stop me wanting to apply." And they really broke it down, um, and they were like, "It was so interesting to see the words that we use as as a male as, as opposed to a female." And there was some study that came out about um, saying women will look at a job spec, and if there's one thing they can't do they won't apply. Whereas men will look down and if there's one thing they can do, they will. Well, <laughs> I mean, they, they had some signs behind what it. I don't difference. know how true it is. Um, I can believe it. But most people put a job spec out there that's like a wish list. Um, and whether I've been in recruitment, career management or talent development, I'm saying you can't have all of these things. You know, you can't have somebody um, – with all of these years' experience in this programming language, it wasn't even around then. Or, you know, they can't have they can't have 20 years' experience and be a, a graduate. But you know, what's to what's to say that they're not the right person for the job or somebody different to come in and and kind of give your team that diversity of thought? And I was talking um to you about um Debono's six thinking hats, and it's a brilliant oh, yeah, way of um of, of getting people to see that there are different ways of thinking. So I was working with um, a facilities management company and they've got this improvement board and it was like they, they became their change makers for the organization, but they couldn't agree on anything. They were, they were having meetings that didn't have results. And I remember going down, I mean like, okay, so what's on the agenda? And they were like, same thing that's always on the agenda, but we never get anywhere. And it was just breaking that down and getting them to be having these honest conversations but saying, you know, you're not talking as you here, put the hat on, you're playing this character. Um, you know, so it might be the blue hat, which is like blue sky thinking. What would we do if we could do anything? And and that I think the blue, the blue hat for me is one of my favorites 
because it's like we could do anything and people say to me about Simon on the streets they'll go well what you know what do you want you know for, from Simon on the streets I'm like world domination but ultimately what I want for is is for us not to need to exist so you know that's my very true sense I'd rather we didn't have to be there I'd rather that we didn't have to have um outreach workers out there trying to make people um feel more included because our system's broken but ultimately we do it so well if we have to be there I want us to be everywhere so the, it, it's just about thinking but then it needs somebody else to to rein that back in and go okay well maybe we start with Wakefield or Calderdale and then see where we go because we already do Kirklees, Bradford and Leeds so um an interesting an interesting exercise well, you've mentioned Simon and Simon on the Streets a couple of times. For those that have not heard, I mean, how have you not heard of Simon on the Streets? But for those that aren't aware or maybe aren't in the in the region, just uh, tell us a bit more about Simon on the Streets. So Simon on the Streets, we're an independently funded homeless um, charity. So we help entrenched rough sleepers um, back into um, back into not necessarily homes, but back into a position where they can then engage with other services. So um, we're not, um, we're never, and I always say to people, we're not about the, um, your two paychecks away from being homeless type support. That That's not what we do. We're um, the people who've led chaotic lives and maybe need to to re-engage on, on lots of different levels. Um, in, in Leeds, we're very much working at the minute with um, with people with no recourse to funding so um migrants who don't have um support and people who've been trafficked and and some really um serious serious issues bradford has its own set of issues as does kirkley so three different areas been three very different um requirements that we fulfill but there's an amazing team of outreach workers who go out and do all of that engagement piece and they are some of the most inspirational people that that you will ever talk to. If you get the chance to stop one of them and have a conversation, then do. You'll see, they've got a Simon on the Streets jacket on or something, so you'll be able to spot them. Um, but yeah, that you know, and and they go out and they start, and it's little things like saying hello to somebody, or eventually, you know, it's a win for us if somebody accepts a hot drink offers. You know, that's that's really powerful. And things like our soup run are about creating a safe space for someone just to come and say hello. One of the, the things that breaks my heart is when, you know, we have somebody come up and say, no one's spoken to me for a week. People just walk past me. They, they don't they don't look at me. And, you know, that that just doesn't feel for somebody who likes to talk and for somebody who's all about communication, just that basic human interaction of saying hello to somebody. Massively important. The difference that could make, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sure, must be huge. And and it does just a little, just you know, we went, we started off talking about smiling. Even if you don't want to give somebody money or whatever else, then smile and say, you know, have a nice day though, because they'll go, oh, thanks. Well, I, I I can't not ask this. I try and avoid getting too much into coronavirus and COVID. You know, some of us have all heard enough, but it, it must have had a huge impact on Simon on the Street, surely. How, how's the, the, the charity, the organisation doing right now with this? Um, Simon on the Streets is truly, truly blessed to have the supporters that we do. So we um, had to cancel our big events. So we have our Rough Diamond Ball and our Sleep Out, which have been our two big earners for um, you know, for as long as I can remember. And we had to cancel both events, but we've done the um, sleep in. So we did, um, people were sleeping on their sofas for us and a lot of our corporate partners 
um, have done a sterling job in raising money from that. We've got um, somebody um, who's selling merchandise on our behalf and has pledged us um, phenomenal amounts of money um, to carry on doing what we're doing. The most important thing um, was that we were still out there and, and we use that hashtag. We were still out there throughout it. Our outreach workers, even when everybody was supposedly housed, they were still taking food. They were still making sure people were safe. They were still trying to make sure that that temporary accommodation became something more permanent. Um, and they haven't stopped. You know, the, the team have not stopped. Um, it's not going to get any better. The, the numbers are probably going to go up. Um, I, was, I was about to ask you that. Yeah. If you look at some of the reasons why people end up homeless, they're coming at us thick and fast at the minute. You know, mental health issues, relationship breakdowns, um, you know, job losses. There's 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 a whole kind of, unfortunately, probably a wave of this coming. And, and we just need cleverer ways of dealing with it than than what we do at the minute. You, you just talked about redundancies, actually, and uh, I've heard you talk before. Uh, you say being made redundant is a bit like leaving a bad relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> talk to me more about because because one of the things you do is career coaching and helping people that are made redundant. Yeah. So just talk to me a bit more about that. But it, but it actually links into the stuff that I do with teams as well. And I and, and I implore leaders if you are making people redundant, do it the right way. You know, because having that conversation with somebody and explaining to them that it's not about them and, and it's a business decision and, and paying, you know, for outplacement and just to, for, to have somebody to, on their side makes a massive difference to how much they bounce back from being made redundant. It is normal now for people to be made redundant one or you know two times in their career, maybe even more, depending on where you are. Um, and, and actually how that's handled changes how that person feels about it so when I talk about um it, it's like leaving a bad relationship um I talked to somebody the other day and and they're not a client of mine but they'd um called me up because they were wanting some advice I wasn't the right um person for them they needed a different type of advice but 27 years they'd worked for the same company and then got told by um, a virtual call with everybody else that they were being made redundant and they were like, I put them first before my kids' birthday parties, before this, before that. So all of the emotions they're going through, that everything I gave to you has been betrayed, is like the ending a ending a relationship. You know, so they've got to work through some of that stuff before they feel that they can move on to the next position. And that's crucial because the quicker they bounce back and go, okay, that's great the easier they're going to find it to go into an interview and one never talk about how awful their last place was, how betrayed they felt, but talk about what's coming and the future. That's much better for them. Much better for them. A lot of your work must be counselling. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. There, there's a, a clear point where I signpost to other places. Um, there are people who are on that cusp of needing counselling Um I'm I'm a straight talking Yorkshire woman, Johnny. I don't I don't do counselling. Um, what I do do <laughs> is, is have enough confidence, belief, and positivity to help people get over that hump. Um, and it's the same with with you know sort of whether I'm training or whether I'm coaching. People just don't necessarily believe they can do it. And if I'm going, yeah. okay, these are the steps. If we do these steps, you can do it. They go, oh, okay then. And if you help them on those steps, they do it. it it's no difference to turning someone who's, you know, entrenched or sleeping and helping them see the steps to, to being able to 
um, you know, be housed and, and, and whatever else. Same thing. You've just got to support people on those steps and make it work for them, whatever you're doing. People don't want to do it alone, but people will ask for help. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're a um, uh, outside of work. You're a big theatre goer. I am. Uh, well, that, not, not that this be, year, usually, yeah. That, yeah, that must be a bit difficult, mustn't it? Um, I, uh, the, I guess you 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 may have a lot lined up for twenty one, maybe. Well, things things kept moving, so I need to kind of work out what's moved and and the dates. So one of the things that I was really looking um forward to seeing was everyone's talking about jamie because i missed it when i was um down in london um and what what i was doing quite often is when whenever i was down in london um working i would try and catch a show on a night so um you know it was it was brilliant but you know when people say to me oh why do you live in 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 or near leeds and i'm like well because leeds has all of these theaters we get everything you know and 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 you just don't realise how much great stuff is on there. But I was kind of, you know, I normally go see something at the Playhouse over Christmas, so not doing that this year. But um, my goodness, as soon as people can and, and as soon as we can start kind of funding that, because, they, you know, I feel so sorry for those people who are in that industry and have just had all of that taken away. I'm a massive fan of stand-up comedy as well. So um, the Edinburgh Festival is one of my favourite things to do every year. Um and and I don't know how some of those people are going to earn a living um, right now. So as soon as the comedy clubs are back open, then, and it's safe to do so, then I'll be back to the theatre and back to the comedy clubs. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I've what I'm I I love stand up comedy, and it's amazing to see how many of them have had to turn to things like Facebook Live, um, yeah. and, and and just to keep out there. And in fact, some of them are uh, are doing stuff that uh, <laughs> Russell Kane is now presenting on uh, the the lunch on Channel Four. Um, uh, uh, with Steph uh, McGovern, is it? And um, it, it's not a job that I, I think he's vocally said this. It's not a job that he really would want, but it's yeah. like you know, I'll take anything I can get at the moment. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and it's 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 yeah, it's tough to see some of the things that they're having to do uh, to keep their audiences and uh, and 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 keep some career going. Um, and and it's that it, it, the Edinburgh Festival. The thing about that is that it's the raw talent that yeah. is not getting the opportunity um and and there'll be a whole uh not generation necessarily but a whole uh, cohort that uh, that could miss out i think that's 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 the shame yeah and 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 i think it's about that opportunity people go to edinburgh because it's an opportunity to get spotted and that's no different if you're a graduate in any other sector or somebody coming out of another sector trying to get spotted it's so hard to do unless you go above and beyond. And I think that's one of the things that social media allows us is, is people to put stuff out there that they wouldn't have ever got an audience for um, in other in other times. You know, I'm, I'm, I, when I first went to university, my mum and dad gave me a pager so that they could contact me um, and tell me <laughs> to phone them. So I remembered to do it. You know, that was, I mean, it was only 96. I'm not that old. But, um, you know, <laughs> mobile phones weren't a thing, let alone, um, some of the genius stuff that I've seen people put out um, over COVID and I got, uh, I'm sure everybody got it, um, sent a thing and it was um, the now Christmas tunes and somebody had put oh, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure everyone got it about a thousand times. I was like, who is this talented person that sat down and created that? It's amazing. Um, I you know, and, and 
um, there's a fabulous um, guy, Tim, um, who um, who I, I definitely don't mind giving a bit of a plug to because he was put on furlough by his organisation and, and, and made redundant. But he's done some amazing um, graphic design for Simon because he was like, I'm bored. I don't want to just sit here doing nothing. Um, and then he's done some amazing stuff for the launch of, of my new um, career consultancy programme. And, and I, I look at the stuff and I'm like, it's amazing. How have you made those colours look like that? Because in a million years, I would never be able to do that. Um, and I just think, you know, get, giving people a chance to share that talent is is so important, no matter what their talent is. And I talk about it in the book and I talk about it in the programme. It's about knowing what your special and different is. Um, and if you know what's special and different about you, you can become really confident in selling that. Um, and that's that's crucial. So what's special and different about you, Johnny? <laughs> oh, lots of things. Uh, <laughs> it's not about me today, though. <laughs> oh, sorry uh, from the question. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to go back to uh, teams and, uh, and and leadership in organisations where um, change management was a, a big thing that uh, that you did. And actually what you're saying is that that's still, it's still that, that you, it's still you leaders need the ability to be able to change and and get teams to change what what's the barriers there what's the, how do you make that work um well it's firstly accepting that that change is the c word no one likes it you know if it was i can't tell you how many times people have said to me oh well it was working before louise i don't know why they have to change it you're like because everything has to change and everything has to keep on changing but it's also about um people being um not open, not only open to change but sharing their knowledge i think we're still um in some organizations we've got people who want to keep their knowledge to themselves because that way they're still relevant um and 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 i mean you know want people to empower people through coaching and mentoring and um you know bring on our talent and bring on our younger generation because we're so fixed in what we think of those other groups of people and those stereotypes, it's really hard to get people to accept that they might have something to add of value. Um, you know, and it's really interesting now if we're looking at, at the market and we've got Generation Z coming into um, the marketplace, um, they're going to be looking for jobs, but they want companies that are ethical, that have CSR policies, that maybe have signed up to an environmental charter. They absolutely expect flexible working uh, you know so there are the expectations are different whereas for the first time you've got all these different generations in an organization and you've got your bo baby boomers going I had to work to get my job I had to prove myself you're coming in here and expecting this and actually massive stereotypes not all of those people are thinking that but they've built up these stereotypes of so getting them into a room to have a conversation or even to, to do some thought showers and idea sharing over over Zoom um, just means that they start to break down some of those barriers. And the biggest barrier to any change is the people involved in the process. I was wondering what a thought shower was. Well, yeah, it, it's a politically correct way of, of idea sharing. <laughs> well, um, the... I was going to ask something about uh, the the thought showers just totally thrown me off because I was because I, I wanted to know more about it. Uh, the um, 
Uh, with, yeah, no, I know exactly what I was going to ask you. Um, I was just wondering, because of, of COVID, uh, all the chaos that's going on and, and how we've all had to change, is this an opportune moment to bring more change in? Or is or, or is this a time to seize the moment and, and actually to, to bring change? Is it, is it easier to do it now or am I barking up the wrong tree? Um, I don't. I, I think what we need to do is make the change sustainable. So we reacted to a situation we didn't think it through. So people are like, oh, people love working from home. Um, and I'm like, and how many of them are sitting at the kitchen table on a kitchen chair? We wouldn't get away with that in an office. We'd have to sit and do the desk and, okay, is your screen okay? Is your chair okay? Do you need a special chair? Um, whereas people have been sort of winging it for a few months from home, sitting in the spare room, that's not necessarily sustainable. You know, and I've heard some great things about some businesses giving people money towards their home offices to buy what they want and the standing desks are becoming really popular. Um, so that the change that we had isn't sustainable unless we go back and make it right. So we improve the way that data's managed. Um, um, I had to laugh the other day. I was on, on a call with somebody and they were talking to me about um, GDPR as people in the back of their house are walking through. And I'm like, OK, well, you're talking about data security. And I wonder if your Alexa switched off. Um, because actually, if you haven't put in your policies that you need to switch your Alexa off when you're doing a Zoom, um, then, you know, so the policies and the procedures and all of that stuff to make it sustainable have got to catch up. And but, we've got but, to look after employers or employees better. But 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 my question's deeper than that, which is around: is this a is this a good time to change diversity and inclusion whilst chaos is going on? Is it is it actually now is the time to seize some of the big change that we need? Um, I always think it's the time to seize the change that we need. Though that's never that's never going to be any different because. Um, if we do, if we don't make the changes, then the changes are never going to happen. Um, but it's got to be again. I'm going to go back to that word sustainable. It's got to be long term. It can't just be a short term reaction. Um, you know, to 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 a situation. It's got to yeah. be able to be continued. Um, you know, so so just think about um, the universities being able to to deliver what they're delivering online. That's such an opportunity for people who perhaps wouldn't have been able to go to university because they couldn't afford the accommodation or whatever else. And um, it, it creates opportunities for people who perhaps didn't have opportunities, but then they've got to have somewhere to go after that. So businesses have got to be prepared to kind of take in um, those people and 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 have a, a path and, and think about people's careers as they go through. Because I think it's okay to say to somebody, I think you've outgrown this organisation. You know, but we need to support them at a time when they can then go off and create other opportunities. And if maybe we have to help them to make them leap out of our organisation, that's probably a better way than trying to force people out. Um, I, I, I like what you're saying, which is actually, you know, if if we need to change, we just need to change. Never mind what time of what what time it is. Um, your so you referred to that you're working on uh, another book. Um, so uh, you know, I any idea accountable uh, for that one though, Johnny? It's, yeah, it's, I was, was going to say, is there, is there a published date for that then, Louise? No, no, not <laughs> yet. No, um, no, because um, it, it, I'm, I've got so much on at the minute, and and I spend my life when I'm working with teams, telling them to prioritize effectively, not to bite off more than they can chew 
to you know to really make sure you do things properly um and and i'm working with my team you know to make sure that the website's working and all of those kind of things if i if i start then doing something else on top of that i've already told you i'm not a complete finisher i have to be ultra disciplined whereas the first book was easy because i had the column in the yorkshire post so all i did really was take my column put them into my program and then make it into a book whereas the other one um when I've got to come up with seven steps and 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 the same kind of cheesy titles as in the first book, because if it <laughs> didn't have a bit of cheese, it wouldn't be me. Um, oh, so yeah, but it'll happen. For people listening or watching, um, if uh, you know, there's there's three different types of people. I guess we've got people that are looking for that dr dream career. Uh, they may have been made redundant, or they may be just looking for some change. We've got uh, people that might be already coaching that are looking to do some career coaching and um and uh looking for some kind of accreditation and we've also got leaders in organizations that are looking to uh bring change or diversification or motivate teams what's the best way to to contact you and to find you louise uh linkedin's always a good one um so luckily um and talking to somebody who does seo my name is really easy to find there is only one of me so it's really a really good way um and and actually, one of, one of the things that I always do is have a chat with people before anyway. I might not be right for you, but I've got an extensive network and I'm quite happy to point you in another direction if I think somebody else is better for you. Um, but yeah, it is. It, everything I do is about conversation. So um, feel free to, to kind of ask me for a coffee chat. It, I'll be virtual for now, but uh, at some point I'll start seeing humans again. Brilliant. And of course, uh, support Simon on the streets as well, uh, if you're able to in, in, in any diff many different ways. And, and remember, we're not just for Christmas. We're there all year round. Um, yeah. We have huge, huge numbers of people wanting to get involved um, at this time of year. But my, my absolute thing is we're there all year. Louise, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, and um, I'm sure uh, it's been delightful for listeners and watchers. Uh, please join us next time for uh, another live Q&A. Uh, but for now, that's us out. Uh, so thanks, Louise. We'll see thanks, you soon. Daddy. Take care, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. Thanks so much for joining me. If you want to continue the conversation, head over to my website, fleek.marketing, or find me on LinkedIn. That's all for today. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, tag me in your social media posts, and please leave me a review on iTunes. It will make a huge difference for me. I will see you soon.